0: And welcome to the FT Advisor podcast. Each week we'll be joined by guests from the financial services world to discuss the most pressing industry issues. I'm Amy Austin, News Editor at FT Advisor, and today we will be discussing divorce and pensions with Andrew Tully, Technical Director at Canada Life, and Rachel Hall, Co-Founder and Director of advice firm Seven Stages. Welcome to you both and thanks for joining us today. So we already know that unfortunately a gender pensions gap does exist and that men are more often than not better off in their retirement than women. But the question we're going to kind of look at today is whether divorce plays a part in this and how. So when going through a divorce, the court can make a pension sharing order to provide a transfer from a spouse who has a greater pensions provision to the one with the lesser. But the problem with this is many people don't know it exists or don't know how to use it. For example, a 2021 study looking at divorcees aged around 55 to 64 found that men had an average total private pension fund value of £100,000, while women had just accrued £19,000. So there's clearly something that maybe needs to change here. So I thought, Andrew, we could kick off with you. Do you think that you know people need to be more aware that they could be entitled to a slice of a partner's pension when going through a divorce?
1: So I think the simple answer to that is yes, absolutely. Uh, I think... Pensions, the value of pensions can often be overlooked or undervalued by people. So, so uh, you can easily look at the house and think the house is, can, can be the most valuable asset and maybe look at a car and other savings. People might not necessarily put the same value on a pension uh, as, as its face value and, and particularly something like a defined benefit scheme it's not obvious to people how much that's worth uh, and people can often be surprised how much it is worth. Uh, and so that leads on to, to, to making sure that's taken into account. Absolutely. Uh, one of the other parts, I guess, is uh, you mentioned people needing to consider it, but, but often uh, offsetting is probably the most used facility in, in, in divorce, which is, uh, one party would keep the pension and the other party would take an asset of equivalent value and and often uh, and particularly women but not not always but particularly women uh, might, might be the main caregiver for children and so, so they want maybe to remain in the family house so that the children can keep going to local schools and things like that so, so it can often be that uh, people value the house more than the pension or, or their assets and, and that can be for for very good reasons.
0: And Rachel, what about you? Do you kind of advise some people that are going through divorce and kind of don't see their pension as as important? Yeah, I think
2: Andrew makes a really important point. But I think, um, unfortunately, a lot of lawyers and a lot of financial advisors don't understand it either. They don't understand the concept of fair value. And so the guidance that the, the layperson receives is not great either. And a lot of people don't want to use actuaries um, for, you know, equalisation of pension reports and uh, to have the, the pensions valued correctly. Because if you're going to cost in or price in the value of a report, an actuary report, you need context as to what, co- what the cost benefit of that is. So that requires sometimes an education because people don't understand what they're going to lose out by not valuing the pension correctly. So this offsetting is quite often used. And the result of that is that, you know, especially women, as these statistics show, they go into uh, their retirement years um, and they're much worse off um, because they may have state pension and a tiny little bit of supplementary income, Um and that can then force people to work for longer or to have to return to work. Um, in, you know, the most extreme cases, it can cause financial hardship. Um, so I think that both the industry and legal advisors, they also need an education about why you would invest in actuarial reports to, to you know, correctly value pensions. So that that would be you know something that really comes up quite often for
0: us. And why is it that kind of women are you know predominantly more worse off when it comes to you know divorce and looking at pensions? Would it be because, you know, they take gaps or are more likely to take gaps throughout their career, so don't build up a big enough pension, and therefore you know it may not necessarily be like the man sharing the woman's pension whereas the woman may need the man a part of the man's pension to you know have a good retirement as kind of like an offset of looking after children throughout the years maybe
2: I think it's sad but it's true isn't it it, it that we still live in a world where there's a, a huge gender imbalance um and we often see the men as being the lead decision financial decision makers so I think that because women take time off to raise children, the, the men the the man kind of takes that lead role and women never come back to you know just sort of adding back into the pensions but I, I i hope the you know i hope those figures will improve over time especially now that we see a lot of financial advisors coming into the industry and they're starting to do financial coaching like we offer a program called life after divorce where We try to improve the financial literacy, especially of women, and then empower them to make financial decisions. But it really is um, kind of starting with the basics. And
0: it's about um, just, like I say, it's improving their education. And Andrew, do you think that maybe, you know, it's worthwhile kind of educating men as well on this kind of, you know, point of divorce and pensions? Because I, I would like to think that there's probably many men out there that don't actually realise that not all divorces are nice. They can be quite messy and quite nasty at times and they might not realise that actually their pensions is up for grabs. Do you think we should be kind of educating both sides?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it, it is, it, even if it's not a, an acrimonious divorce, it, it's still a stressful period. It's an emotional period. There's lots going on Uh yeah, you know, so so we talk about more stressful times in life it can be, you know, bu- buying a new house. It can be uh, moving house. It, it can be, you know, ending a relationship. Uh, and if you add all of those together, which is what this is happening, it, it can be a hugely stressful period for people. So so even even if it's not particularly acrimonious, and as you say, some some undoubtedly are, it's still a difficult time for people. Uh, and so everyone probably needs help and support going through that. And and what we've seen uh, with Gadra of of no fault divorces which were introduced earlier this year and and a huge increase of people doing online divorces and, and all of that is, is positive in a way and it it helps people and you know end relationships that are not working. But but what what it may encourage more people is to do it themselves. Uh, and this is an area where people do need help and support because there's a lot of complexity involved. In, and it's not just pensions, it's it's about lots of other assets and things as well. But but pensions can often be one that's overlooked, uh, undervalued, kind of underappreciated, because it's not it's not a here and now asset, is it, is it, you know, is it so if there's a house uh, and you can sell it and you each walk away with a bit of money and, and buy a new slightly like smaller house, that, that's quite simple to understand and quite quite visual for people. Uh, an asset that, that, that might produce an income in 20, 25 years' time is, is can be much more difficult for people to get their head around. Uh, a, kind of how it works, and so lots of people don't really understand pensions all that well anyway, but B, to, to understand that actually that can be quite a valuable asset. And in and, and many marriages, it, it will either be the second most valuable asset, or in some cases, even the most valuable asset. And, and people, you know, if you ask people to rate which assets in the marriage are the most valuable, I, I think a lot of people certainly wouldn't be putting pension up there at one or two, they would probably be putting it down at, you know, five or six or seven or somewhere. So, so I think that whole education piece for both parties is hugely important.
0: Sure. Well, seeing as you mentioned no fault divorce rules, we might as well jump there now. I was just thinking, like, how would they kind of play into this more? Is it maybe the fact that we could potentially see more divorces as now it's kind of, you know, like technically easier to go through a divorce? Like, will pe- will more people be divorcing, therefore more pensions, knowledge is needed? Um, Rachel, I don't know what you think.
2: I think Andrea is, is a really important point, which I agree with again, because... Actually, the the area of pensions is so complex that it's actually there are so many men too who don't understand it. And like I said before, there are a lot of uh, professionals, financial and legal professionals, who do not understand this either. I was actually looking at some statistics before I came on here. And apparently only 13 in 2019, only 13 percent of 116 and a half thousand couples actually applied for a pension settlement order. So one of the issues um, that I think could be um, raised with these no-fault divorces is that people just kind of rush this through. They don't really, um, they have more of like an informal arrangement. They don't have a financial settlement. They don't um, look at trying to, uh, you know, uh, value the pensions correctly and then they don't realise until years later that they are much, much worse off. And one of the issues that I see, actually, is where people try to value a, a defined benefit pension scheme in a DC scheme, defined contribution scheme, um, in exactly the same way. But we know that it becomes hugely complex area, especially when you throw in lifetime allowance issues with this, because we do know that lifetime allowance recovery, especially on public sector pension schemes, is much more generous than having a lifetime allowance issue on um, a DC scheme. So if we start to throw all of this into the mix, we're going to find people, especially with the no-fault divorces, if they're just going to make, come up with informal arrangements, seriously worse off. And so, you know, they've lost value, and that's where experts need to come in and help these people. I do think it's an area that still needs a lot of work and a lot of development. And like Andrew said before, there is
0: an education piece here. Andrew, what do you think? Why aren't people applying for these pensions sharing dis, um, orders?
1: So, so I think it is... It, it's it's those combination of things that we've just talked about, which is, and, and I completely agree about the legal professional, legal profession are, are you know hugely knowledgeable in their in their own field, but pensions isn't an expertise uh, of them. So so, so uh, in a way, that there might be a a lack of willingness to, to go in that direction. It, it's certainly probably seen as more difficult from our perspective. So so uh, upsetting assets can be seen as simpler uh, as I, say, I think the drive from the, the people involved again can can focus on on house and cash and other assets so so i think there's because i drive from lots of places to to uh, to not look at the pension or not to involve the pension as much as as it should be uh, and the, the problem we've got obviously is is things about uh, lack of pension planning and lack of saving for future and we're seeing more marriages at older ages and that, that has its own problems because people have less time to build up your own savings but we've also got things like uh, life cover and protection which is often associated into the pension as well so uh, if someone dies uh, you know a lump sum can be paid to the partner but but on divorce that that suddenly isn't part of the plan anymore So, so it's it's often it's not so part of it is, is pension saving, but also part of it is things like uh, life cover and protection, uh, critical illness cover, things like that. So so it's a, it's a whole financial plan that needs to be looked at for, for both individuals uh, that now that we're going the separate ways.
0: And Rachel, maybe this is more on for you, but do you think people kind of when they think of divorce they think oh do you know what we need to go and sit down with a financial advisor is this something that you see or do you think lots of people kind of just like do it alone i think lots
2: of people do it alone and i think that's probably because the financial services industry still i don't think it's took huge steps forward in terms of providing assistance and coaching services for example to um divorcing couples so you'll still get pockets of experts within the country but it's not necessarily um, a service that is provided traditionally by financial advice practice so and i think as well it's a complex area for our industry too because we're looking at um, splitting assets and what the tax implications are of those then we're we're kind of going off and and we have to refer to and we have to bring in sometimes other experts. And then in terms of the industry, you've got to think about how do they charge for those services. And the world of financial services is still very much investment focused. So I do think, don't get me wrong, I do think there is a new generation of advisors that are coming through that are specialising in this and they are niching. But I think in terms of it being a core part of an IFA practice, not necessarily that. So, for example, uh, it might just be that a financial advisor would provide assistance to one of their clients who happened to be caught up in a divorce. So I think there's still a lot of CPD for us to do as an industry, but I do think that we are starting to, to kind of We are starting to move into a new generation, like I said before, but it is still a very, very complex area, especially when um, you bring in things like defined benefit pension schemes and DC schemes. Um, And that is where we do need to bring in actuaries because we need to look at equalisation of incomes. We need to understand better how annual allowance issues affect pension incomes We need to know about pension credits and debits and how people can lose protection. So perhaps we're not valuing pensions in the the right way during divorce proceedings. And there's still a massive issue, which is that in the public sector, we have this index debit in a pension share that's not actually implemented until a member reaches retirement age, which, in my opinion is actually not really a clean break when you're dealing with the nuances of uh, the best of the last three years type of final salary. So it's a hugely complicated area that a lot of financial advisors need a lot of support from people like Andrew and his technical team, from actuaries um, and from legal experts
0: too. Do you think maybe advisors are a bit like wary about Maybe advising divorced couples because maybe if they have to speak to both of them, you know, it might be a bit of a sticky situation. And I guess they could be classed maybe as vulnerable clients because you know they're in a bit of a rocky patch. I think that I think there can be a conflict of interest. I've
2: actually been involved in a case before where I was brought in because there was a a clear conflict of interest. with uh, the financial advisor who was involved in the process um, so there is that best of an issue and the idea really is that you're supposed to secure the best outcome for your client so it's really quite difficult to do and I do think you're right Amy I think there, I think a lot of financial advisors feel like they're going to fall down the rabbit hole with this and they're not necessarily You know, if you look at our, our, for example, our pension units and you look at our our syllabus, we are not necessarily trained on divorce. It's just something that you have to do. You've got to educate yourself. You've got to do your own CPD on that. And you'll learn from dealing with a range of different experts about how best um, to, to deal with that. So I think if you take it right back. We, we don't have divorce we don't really have divorce modules. We'll have little um kind of additional sections in the ex you know in the study uh, materials, but it doesn't matter you know there's not whole um unit on that. So I think that the financial advisors also need to be supported and lawyers need to be supported. Um, I have I must say I have been on lots of fantastic courses run by actuaries that were really worth um attending and I learned like a lot from from those people so I definitely recommend uh, you know sort of seeking out um pensions on divorce seminars run by actuaries
0: um because they're well worth um going on sure and Andrew, just to finish up do you have anything to add to that
1: uh, the final point is is probably just around the complexity is that uh, um the rules are continuing to change, as in lots of areas. So, so, so you know, no fault divorces were talked about. Uh, the government have just uh, announced a change, which will come through to capital gains tax next year as well. Which again is a positive, but uh, it's something else that financial advisors need to to be aware of. And and it's things like that 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 financial advisors working together with the legal profession really really. Uh, is the best combination because things like changes to capital gains tax lawyers might not be immediately aware of things that are happening you know in, in a year's time that, that changes coming forward in 2023 so uh, and it could be delaying things and, and splitting assets or transferring assets after 2023 might be the best option uh, and that's where a financial advisor can help look at you know what what's coming down the track and help Uh, solicitors deal with that in the best possible way so 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 it is you know it is about that ongoing cpd and and ongoing uh, awareness of changes to, to make sure that you can uh advisors continue to help clients in the best possible way
0: brilliant well andrew rachel thank you so much for joining us today tune in next week where we will discuss other goings on in the industry